everyone! Before we start, I wanted to let you know, if you would like to watch our whole service, head to our website, that's dc2.me, and from the media drop-down, click Sermons. You can watch our whole service there. And now, here's this week's sermon. Have you ever been lost? Have you ever found yourself in a place where you're just like, I, I don't know where I am right now? Maybe this has happened to you when you've been on a hike uh, maybe this has happened to you when you're just exploring a, another city. For a lot of us, we share my story in common. Maybe the first thing that comes to mind is I remember a time when I was a kid when I got lost at the mall. <laughs> and I remember when I was about six years old, I was out Christmas shopping with my mom and my little brother. Uh, she was a really good mom, so she knew what to do. She had snacks. We had snacks. I had Fig Newtons crammed into the jacket of my big puffy winter jacket. It's Christmas time in Colorado. We were at the Westminster Mall back in the day, if you remember this, with the old hot air balloons that went up, and it was amazing. And if you're a kid in the room, you, you know what I'm about to tell you. Because when you're in a department store as a little kid, you are surrounded by awesomeness in the form of clothing racks that when you separate out an area, you can step into the middle and you are in Narnia itself. I mean, this is, these are private rooms made just for kids. It was so much fun. And my brother and I loved to play this game uh, when I was six years old. We wouldn't just go into one. We'd try and figure out which one is mom going to go into next, and let's get in that one and get ready. And then when we feel her starting to mess with the hangers, we'll do this. We'll jump out like velociraptors and be like, blah! And my mom, who's a good mom, like this worked once. And after that, like velociraptors would be jumping out of clothes racks and she'd be like, guys, get out of the clothes racks. And she'd just keep going. Well, this one particular year, I think I was about six years old. Uh, we'd, we'd been playing this game and I, I figured out, okay, I think this is where mom's going next. And so I take off and I dive into this clothes rack and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting. And it feels like I've been waiting like a little bit too long when all of a sudden the hangers start to move and I warm up my voice and all of a sudden a little crack of light comes and I go, Aah! and this woman who I do not know <laughs> is staring at me. Now, she apparently did not have six-year-olds because I, I freaked the living goodness out of this woman. She screams, she asks like, what are you doing in there? It's a very confusing moment. And a handful of things strike me all at the same time. One, this is not my mom. Two, I don't know where my mom is. And it's one thing to be lost. And in this moment, I knew that I was lost. It's a totally other thing to be disoriented. Not only am I lost, but I don't know what to do. <laughs> I don't know where I'm supposed to go. And when I was six years old, I couldn't see up over the clothes racks. The story ends fine. She was just a couple, couple rows over, kind of like, I'm trying to teach you a lesson. Get over here. It was great. But this might be a time of year where, considering being lost, for some of you, you're like, that's, that's not something I'm feeling right now. I, I feel about as found, about as located as I do all year round. I'm with family. I'm with people that I love. My home is a home to me. Some of us feel that way. Some of us, too, are coming into this room going, oh, yeah, this time of year, the word lost fits great. Family, for me, is just a reminder of fracture and conflict. My, my home is just not a place of peace. I, I, I feel loss and lost this time of year. I feel disoriented. 
And I think Christmas is one of these times that brings to the surface something that we all hold in common, no matter what your family is like, no matter what your home is like. It begins to well up in us this idea that we are all longing for home. Not just the place where we grew up, not just the place where we have family members. We're looking for our true home. This is how we spend our money, the people we choose to be with. This is how we spend our time. We're looking for our native country. We're looking for a place that is safe. We're looking for a place that is peaceful, a place where everyone lives in harmony. We long for a place that's filled with joy, where play and creativity match our endless desire for wonder and curiosity and adventure. We're looking for a place where enemies are silenced, where evil cannot flourish, and where tears of sadness never fall, and where brokenness is forever set right. This is what we all yearn for. And as we jump into this Christmas season, and as we're reminded of the Christmas story, it's funny as we read them, because some of them really read like stories, but there's one really weird Christmas story in the Bible. And it's in the Gospel of John. John is just an oddball with how he chooses to talk about the birth of Jesus. He uses metaphor and symbol instead of just narrative. And I think if we're going to read this account, it's not enough just to read it. You have to experience it. Because John's account of Christmas begins in darkness. And it goes like this. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and without Him not one thing came into being. In Him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. To all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of the blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. This is a weird story. <laughs> Where are the shepherds? Where are the angels and the wise men? You might be thinking as we read this account of John's Christmas story, it's typical. Every time I try and open the Bible, it just really doesn't make that much sense. Every time I try and talk with God, there's just this seeming disconnection. What's going on here? And I think one thing that makes the Bible so much fun is that it wasn't initially written to you and to me. The first groups of people that received this book, this story that John told, were really a group of two different types of cultures. One was this Greek culture back at the beginning of the AD centuries. And it was a group of people that when you said something like the word or truth, these Greek people would like sit up straight in their chairs and be like, yeah, 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 tell us more about that. There was a second culture, the second group of people, and that's who we're going to focus on today. It was a group of Jewish people. And as they heard the metaphor and the symbol and everything going on in just that little chunk of text that we just read, there would be slow nods and widening of eyes as they heard John tell the Christmas story. And we're going to explore a little bit, what was it 
that they were hearing. For the Jewish people, one of the most famous stories that they had was as a time where as a whole culture they were lost and in the dark. It goes like this. You may have heard this story before, but if you haven't, years, hundreds, thousands of years ago, there was a group of people, this Jewish people, and things were good. They were a family. Life was good, and they lived with God. But at some point along the way, they chose to sell themselves into slavery, and they end up in slavery in Egypt. Uh, I think as, as I set the table for this story, know that the movie Prince of Egypt is a cartoon movie came out years ago. This may be one of the best Christmas movies that doesn't get the title Christmas movie. You can check this out when you go home tonight or as you're hanging out after presents tomorrow. But this nation of Israel is enslaved for hundreds of years, for generations, kids upon kids upon grandkids upon great, 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 great grandkids born into slavery. And this whole time, they're crying out to God. They're praying, get us out of here. Set us free. This is awful. This is painful. This is dark. And God heard every single prayer for generations. Some of you need to hear that today. Some of you, as you look back on this last year, on this last season of life, go, all it has been is agony and lament. Has he heard anything? And I think the story of scripture would tell us, yeah, he's heard every single one. As these prayers and these cries and these screams continue, he chooses this man, Moses. He says, we're gonna get these people out of slavery. We're gonna set them free. And to fast forward through so many pieces of this story, Finally, Pharaoh, who is kind of the owner of this slave nation, lets them go. And so this nation finds themselves in the desert with a command from God. He gives them the desire of their heart, which is something that he is so apt to do. And the command is this, go home. It's time to go home. Now, the confusing thing, if you're one of these folks, is that if you've been in Egypt for, say, lots of generations, you haven't been home in a while. There hasn't been a family reunion. You've been stuck in slavery. And so as they find themselves in this desert in Sinai, there's a sense of like, great, where do we go? (laughs) How, How would we get there? And it's in this story that some incredible things start to happen. The first thing is this. God just didn't say, go home and then leave them there and sit back and watch. He didn't leave them. He led them. It was time to go home. So the way that God came and that he led was that he showed up in this pillar of fire. I want you to imagine, like put yourself in the middle of the desert, lost as you have ever been, disoriented as you have ever been. Not only do I not know where I am, I don't know what to do. When the presence of God shows up in a column of fire in the sky, it's like the world's first gigantic neon sign. Like Vegas has nothing on this. And it just says, this is the way that we're going to go. Follow me. This would have been the best news in the world. And and you would have had a choice at this point. And am I going to follow this light? Or am I going to try and figure out my own way back? And as these original Jewish people, as they were reading the story of John's, and John has these phrases like, God's presence was light, and it lived among them. Right away, they'd be like, oh, we know this story. This has happened before. But there was a point to that story 
We're going to hit that in just a second. Because the second thing that would really have stuck with them was this idea that when they were traveling this pillar of fire, it would move, it would direct them. All they had to do was follow the light. But when they would stop, when it was time to camp out for a while, God gave these really important instructions. See, these were a group of nomads. They were used to living in tents. And God said, I'm going to live in your midst. So I want you to build me a tent. Uh, The fancy Bible word for it is a tabernacle. By the time they actually make it all the way home, they make a permanent structure. It's called the temple. There's a wall of it still in Jerusalem today. But this is a place where when they stopped, that pillar of fire would come down into the tent and it would live there. And I want you to imagine this. Being in the middle of the desert, having this light that you've been following, you stop for a while, then you have somebody new come into town and they say, hey, where's God? If you were to answer that in our context today, that's a very complicated answer. For them, all they had to say was, oh, he's two roads over, five, five houses down, it's the house on the left. That's where God is. He was that close. He was that with his people. And he lived in a tent. He just traveled with them. His presence was with them. And the point of this entire story, everything that they would hear when they hear this idea of light and tent, is this idea of finding themselves lost, not knowing where to go, and having somebody come and grab them by the hand and say, let's go home. When I was lost in that rack of clothes, that's all I wanted. Somebody just come find me. Somebody who knows where home is, take me by the hand and say, let's go home. This yearning that we all have for home. This is something we all want. Somebody who knows where home is to come down and grab us by the hand and say, let's go home. So as we now get into John's story of Christmas, we have these incredible ingredients. First, he says, in him was life. And that life was the light of men. This idea that would, that would draw them back to that picture, this pillar of fire over a tent, this is what would be conjured in their minds. We've seen this before. We follow this light. Why? Because it's taking us home. But now John is, is adding to the story, and he's telling it in a way that would blow their minds. The, the light is not just a pillar of fire come down. It's in a man. That's incredible. We don't have to look up in the sky anymore. It's not just that he's gonna tell us what to do. Now he's in a person. He'll show us what to do. And for John's audience, he's going, this is God's presence. The, The second thing that's kind of funny as we translate it into English is there's this incredible line that John has. And the word Jesus became flesh and he lived among us. When you look at that language in the original language it was written in, it's, it's not just saying that he kind of wandered around in crowds. Uh, Eugene Peterson, in his message translation of the Bible, translates it beautifully. He says, and the word became flesh and he moved into the neighborhood. That gets closer. But if you want to know the exact translation of exactly what's going on there, it sounds more like this. And the word, this light, became flesh and he pitched his tent in our midst. And the original Jewish audience is going, oh my gosh. 
this story that we've always rallied around, this story that draws us to this desire that we have, would somebody just come grab me by the hand and take me home? Now all of a sudden there's a person with eyes and hands and feet, and his name is Jesus. And one other brilliant thing that John is doing here is he says, in him was life, and that life was light. The presence of God that has been moving into this tent, this flesh and bone tent, this body that Jesus wears, is life. And, and when John uses this word life, he uses this Greek word called zoe. It's a brilliant name that we have in our culture today. Any parent who names their kid zoe, God bless you. It's, a, it's this name that means life. But not just life, it's not just biologically alive. If you want to get into the culture of what is Zoe, I mean, you have to like picture like an Irish fiddler, an African dancer, a Mexican football announcer, a French master chef, a Japanese poet, a master Italian marble sculptor. It's this, this sense of vivaciousness, of, of life that springs and bubbles and pops. It's amazing. And as John is writing his story, he's going, man, he's light and he's moved into this body that's like a tent and he walks around, but he bubbles and he pops and he's amazing, he's alive. God has come. His presence has come down to lead his people again. Why? Because they're lost. Because they found themselves in the middle of a desert, disoriented. And he's come down to take them by the hand and to look them in the eye and say, I know where home is. Let's go home. He was looking in this Jewish culture and then in the culture of John, looking at a group of people and saying, if you're looking for a place that is safe, a place that is peaceful, a place where everyone lives in harmony, if you're looking for a place that's filled with joy, where play and creativity match your endless desire for wonder and curiosity and adventure, if you're looking for a place where enemies are silenced, where evil cannot flourish, where tears of sadness never fall, and where brokenness is forever set right, know this, he's come, and he's here to take us home. If this is a story that's new to you, know that this is a story that we remind each other of all the time here at Discovery, not just on Sundays, but all throughout the week with all the different things that we do. We're all on a journey. We're all seeking to take this hand and say, yeah, take us home, because the same choice that these people have is the choice that we have today. Do we follow this light? Do we trust it to take us home? Or do we want to try and fulfill this deep desire that we have all on our own? I'm going to bring out the band there's one final idea that John will get at as he tells this Christmas story, and it's this. To choose to follow this light, to choose to follow this Jesus, means that you choose to act like him, too. Really, that you imitate him as you become like him. This doesn't mean that you become the light. You don't become God as you're doing this. But it means more that you start to reflect the light, kind of like, like a mirror, or maybe like a candle that's taken its flame from another source. God designed human life from the very beginning to reflect him. And when you choose the light, when you choose to follow at home, you hold it up in a way that draws others who are still in the darkness to see the way home as well. The story and the person of Jesus is a roadmap. 
and getting to know him and doing life with him is how we learn who we are supposed to be and what the world was all supposed to be, always supposed to be like. So in a moment, we'll get to share a simple act of worship together. As the band sings, we'll start with just one simple candle for the whole room. And I'd invite you, as the flame comes to you, light your own, but then turn and light those of all around you. This simple act plays out this cosmic drama that we've been hearing about tonight. This light has come down. God's presence is in the midst of us. And if we choose to follow it, if, if we choose to follow at home, others will join us in the dance as well. For those who are able, let's stand and sing.